Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels, and welcome to my podcast. Today is July 5th, 2022, and this is Q&A number 99 for my Facebook virtual coaching group. So I'd like to uh, welcome new member Renee and Kelly Jane, or Kaylee Jane, out of Florida to the group. I also hope everybody had a safe and fun holiday weekend with their families. Uh, This week's topic is going to be part four of five parts of the horsemanship challenge that we've been doing in the group. And this week's topic is the barrel pattern training. Um, Poles can apply the same goals as um, training and competition that I'll be discussing in this as well. And let's see here. Uh, We have already two names on the personal best Uh, list for July, but congratulations to Beverly from Florida for winning the June personal best um, prize for one month free in the group. That's what she took as her prize. So congratulations, Beverly, and happy anniversary to you and your husband as well. Also, we have a few members with birthdays this month. So happy birthday to all of you. And um, I did a special podcast. Um, It's about getting in the zone in one minute. The podcast itself is about 10 or 14 minutes. I can't remember. But basically, it's talking about, and you can go ahead and listen to it. There's, um, you know, three or four things you really need to just have as the way that you get yourself mentally tough. So let's say, you know, you are um, getting ready to make a run and and all of a sudden, some negative feelings creep in or negative thoughts, or maybe you're getting ready to make your run and, the, you know, the, re- the barrel race or the rodeo gets held up because of something going on and you've got to refocus or someone comes up and talks to you and you're like, okay, I'm up, I need to focus, you know, and, and you just need to be able to get yourself back in your zone in less than 60 seconds. So the way that I always did it for myself and it kept me relaxed and focused and my horse was nice and calm going in the alleyway and able to pay attention to me was these simple, really main three things. So the first thing I'd recommend doing is taking five deep breaths, breathe in and exhale out slowly all the way to your toes. Let your whole body get nice and loose. Um, You can even look down at your horse's mane while you're doing that if you're in the saddle to get a focus point and pet your horse. And that will help you settle your horse and settle yourself as you're breathing. Your horse is going to fill your exhales and they're going to exhale as well. Um, By focusing on their mane, it helps give you a place to look at as you're taking those deep breaths and relaxing your body. Then just you know, make a little smile if you want to, because smiling can definitely lighten your mood and say a quick little prayer, you know, maybe 60 seconds, you know, Heavenly Father, thank you for this horse this day. You know, Lord, I pray for a smooth, safe run and Lord, you know, in Jesus name, just thank you and and amen. You know, it doesn't have to be anything huge. Um, And then, and then lastly, you're going to do three things. You're going to see your run You're going to visualize your run, making a smooth run, riding to your spots. 
the cues that you need for that horse. You know, you're going to be in the moment, but you know where you should be riding them, when you should sit up, when you should sit down, you know, be in two hands, when to go to the horn, you know, use your legs. Just see it smoothly. Don't over talk to yourself because if you are too many focused on the cues, you'll get too mechanical when you run, but just see a smooth run. And, you know, by visualizing your run every single day, and I hope you be able to visualize your run in a matter of 20 seconds when you're doing the 60 second or one minute get in the zone drill. Okay, so then you're going to trust that horse of yours um, and just be in the moment. And maybe as you're going to the alleyway, think of the one or two important things you need to do. Like for me, I always thought about riding to my arc and my spot one and two. And, you know, if, if I was on a young horse, I might think, spot one and two and sit early or if I was on my push horse I might think two hands all the way or whatever whatever helps you get yourself in the zone but again it's got to be a quick one minute get in the zone that you just do out of routine so breathe say a quick prayer see your run and then be in the moment and think of one or two things and go make your run so um just practice that it's barrel racing is a skill so is mental game and the more you just have yourself these one minute positive sprints or one minute get in the zone um, abilities that's the way that you can handle everything in life that comes your way not just barrel racing but any kind of stressful situation <sighs> count take those deep breaths pick a focal point and just breathe and count it really makes a difference some people sing a song you know whatever helps you relax so just whatever yours is, customize it to you. So about 15 videos have come in from the weekend that I've been working on. So I have three or four left to go so far, and it's only Tuesday after a three-day weekend. Um, and then one thing I want to mention before I get into the Q&A and the topic for today is um, I want everyone to understand that you know I know the whole world's on social internet now, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and TikTok and you name it, you know, everybody's on Snapchat, whatever you do. Um, and so a lot of times you see a lot of happy things on there, but you also see a lot of conflicts and things like that. I just want to say that um, try to, you know, for your own salvage, try to spend your time focused on the positive things and not get caught up in the negative things. And the reason I tell you that is because it's real easy to get drawn into drama and it's really not healthy for you or anybody else. Um, you know, I like my life pretty private. I only really put out there my, you know, my business, my professional life on Facebook, not my personal life, you know, here or there. I might put something personal, but generally, you know, it's my, just my business. Um, and you know, a lot of people use Facebook just for that reason to keep connected to their family out of state. And that's why I'll do personal stuff sometimes and friends that you don't get to see for a long time. But, but I want to share that with you because life is about changes and it's going to be, you know, it's not easy. It might look all easy from the outside, from the surface, but everybody's dealing with something. And, um, the way that you keep a positive mind and going through it is really important. And we're going to talk a lot about mental game next week in the final part five of the five part of the horsemanship. And um, the, the thing I want to share is, you know, 
a lot of things have changed in my life. I liked life pretty normal, you know. I liked being a trainer and a mom and a competitor. And I did all that for, you know, 18 years here in Florida with my son. And then, um, you know, then he goes off to college. Well, not quite 18 years because we didn't get here until he was three. So 15 years. And then, um, you know, a lot of things, he goes off to college and then my ex um, wants a divorce and, you know, a lot of heartbreak years, you know, you go through a lot of heartbreak and you spend 25 years with one person. That's a huge change from the time you're 23 years old, the same person until you're almost 50. I mean, that's a long time. Um, you know, you, you live in one home that was your child's home his whole life and then you have to sell it and, and downsize to something smaller because you're on your own now and and start over alone. Um, you know, I could let all of those things really drag me down, but instead I just pivot and I try to find the positives in it. I'm thankful for the time that I had with my son and my husband. I'm thankful for um, the life that I had on that ranch in Groveland. But I'm also thankful for this little place. It's my first place all of my own. I went from living with my dad to living with my husband. And this is my first place, just me. So um, it's paid for. And I've got my horses in my backyard. First time ever in my barrel racing career that I don't have client horses in my backyard with my horses. So, I mean, a lot of changes for me. Um, you know, my hip got hurt uh, in 2020, had to stop training horses, and I get surgery in October this year. But for the last two years, I had to pivot my business to 100% coaching. And that was new because I was always a trainer before that. And so clinics, lessons, and virtual coaching, but it's all been a blessing. And that's what I'm trying to say. Those things all could sound like negatives, but they're not because in it were blessings. My son going off to college and becoming his own man and finding his self and his passion and his identity was a blessing. My ex getting to be where he wants to be and do what he wants to do is a blessing for him. My, um, my business switching is a blessing for me because the next 20 years of my life I can dedicate to coaching where the first 20 was training. So you know, it's just, you have to look at things. And this house, it was perfect for me. I, when I sold my ranch, this place was perfect for me. And um, so everything, you know, I feel like God's hand was in it. So I, I feel like, you know, you can find the negatives and the positives. Um, and I guess that's why I'm sharing it with you, because I think everybody has something they're dealing with, whether it be health or finances or you know, um, growing pains or just so many things, you know, that life can throw at you. But I think as long as you try to find the positive in things, that's, a, that's, I think what gets you through it. Um, I think that's why we all love the underdog story. You know, when you hear of people, you know, you, you pull for that underdog horse winning at the, at the races or the rodeo or, you know, the underdog rider come along and win and, you know, not the people who, you know, maybe have an entire family or support system or have money for high dollar horses, but that person who didn't have, you know, the big support system or that horse that wasn't anything fancy bread or fancy money, you know, we all pull for that one because we can all identify to that. Not that the person with money or the person you know, with the family support or whatever. It's not that they didn't all work hard for it too, but you know what I'm saying? People love that underdog story where you, you just grit it out and, and 
deal with it and and move forward and and everybody's story is a little bit different so I think that's why we have to uh you know find our passion our purpose and our why and for me it's helping helping people with their horses and that makes me happy so I hope all of you find your purpose and passion and um, I'm going to go ahead and get into the questions I don't have a lot but I do want to remind you to please ask me during the week anything that you want to know and I'll answer it for the group because if you want to know it, someone else might too. So um, the first question, um, oh, and I also wanted to say we have two names on the list for July personal best already. And Willow, congratulations for placing in the 2D out of 120 riders. I think it's only your third or fourth run back after six year break. Uh, having babies and getting your career going. So there's a an inspiring story for you ladies that are maybe not able to ride right now because of college or, or work or family or health that, you know, you can come back after a break. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. And she's riding a 20-year-old horse who placed in the 2D with 120 people. So, and that was still where she could ride, you know, straight or longer on second and things like that. So, so, and only like, like I said, only their third or fourth run back. So that's awesome. And um, so that's exciting. And then of course, uh, Peggy and, and uh, Gunner are getting ready for youth, or excuse me, open world. And they already shaved off three tenths from last week to this week, just changing a couple things. And that's awesome. So keep, keep working on that as well. It's not the a personal best time in that arena, but it was a personal best in some changes that you made, which I think is awesome. So congratulations. Um, so I do want to mention without giving out names, because I know a lot of you like your privacy and like to be anonymous, but some of the member highlights that excite me, one of you had a really hyper horse and you spent a long time, like two weeks on just doing slow work and have already seen huge improvements with your horse. So that made me happy to get that feedback. Another one was a really spooky horse at an arena and um, they went in there really calm and confident and made a really pretty run. So that was awesome. That's a really big win. Um, another win that I was proud for this person on some feedback is she took two weeks away from barrel racing just to work on her foundation and her mindset, which I think is awesome. You know, I think that that's important to do when you know it's time to do that. Uh, the next person was in a slump at shows and um, they rode it out. They um, they had a vet check their horse. They gave them a little time off to get well. They changed directions from right uh, left barrel first to right barrel first and they won again. So that's a lot of, you know, trusting your gut and, and going the extra mile to put the pieces of the puzzle together. So that was exciting. Um Another one moved up um, from the uh, into the 2D, from the 3D, and another one moved up to the 1D out of the 2D. So uh, again, all these are just really cool feedbacks that I got from you guys in the last week. So that made me really excited as well. Um, so let's see here. The first question is, um, oh, okay. Uh, that was the, um, the person who asked about the mental game, how to get their mental game prepared. And that was those four things, you guys. So so, um, you know, just take those deep breaths in and out, um, see, you know, visualize a smooth run to your spots and then pray and pet your horse, um, you know, pray for a safe, smooth run and then just smile and, 
be thankful and have a, have fun, be in the moment. So, you know, everybody can have their own way, you know, design your three or four things that works for you. And that was another example. Um, let's see here. Uh, okay. So I really like this. Um, I saw this somewhere. I don't remember where, but it was, um, five ways to stay positive and mentally strong. And I thought this was really good. One, watch the words you say and think. Two, stay away from negative negativity and drama. Um, and, you know, drama or negative people as well. Three, think of um, issues or changes as a challenge for growth. So that's really hard to do, right? You know, when you have an issue or a, a change in your life, think of it as a challenge or growth. Um, number four, give thanks daily. And then, of course, number five, always think about moving forward. So I just thought those were kind of cool, um, positive and mentally uh, strong things that, that you could do for yourself. Um, and that can be helpful in day-to-day -day life and barrel racing. So the next question was about... Um, that, you know, I, I, I put a post about conditioning your horse and there's only so many gumballs in the gumball machine. Well, it brought in a couple comments and one of them was she feels like she needs to go weekly in order to keep her timing for herself. If she doesn't, um, she doesn't feel like she does this good. So she was concerned about that. So here's the thing about that. Um, if you look at the top NFR barrel racers, um, when they make it to NFR, the top 15, if some of them have one horse that gets them there and you'll see that they only made like 20 to 50 runs to get there. And then there's other barrel racers who went to uh, about 80 to 100 in order to qualify for the NFR top 15. So, um, but they probably have two horses or more for backup. So again, um, there's other things you can do if you only have one horse. If you have one horse and you don't want to make 52 runs on them a year, you can visualize your runs. You can do slow barrels at a walk and a trot because that practice and that repetition is what we're going to talk about today in um, barrel pattern training can really help you. But you have to know your horse. Some horses do better if they only make two runs a month. Some horses do better if they go once a week. Um, you know, you just have to also decide, are you going to jackpots right down that road from you? Are you going to super shows? Are you driving many, many miles on the road? Because a long drive or super show is going to be much harder on a horse than just going to the 30, to 30 minutes from home one run a week jackpot. So I definitely don't think there's a problem with that. You know, if you, you know, you pick and choose, okay, I want to go to these couple of rodeos. I want to go to these couple of super shows. But meanwhile, to keep my timing, I'll go to these little jackpots close to home. You know, that's all, all good too. So I think you just have to kind of um, weigh that out. So, so anyhow... Um, the other thing I wanted to mention too, um, was about, uh, you know, doing things, uh, slow, right. I feel like that always beats fast wrong. And I feel like you need to take the time it takes, whatever that is, just take the time that it takes. You have to meet your horse exactly where they are. So I'm going to go ahead and get into, um, the part four of the barrel pattern training, the number one thing I wrote is to focus on being consistent at a walk. You can't, you can't win at barrel racing if you can't do it perfect at a walk 
you can't, you know, move up to a trot if you're not perfect at a walk. You can't lope it perfect if you're making mistakes at a trot, etc. So focus on being consistent at a walk. Know where your arc is. You know, know how to line up with third and go up the middle for so long and then to your arc based on if it's a long score, a short score, your spots one, two, and three. Um, know how to get lateral bend in your horse from spot one to two, meaning nose in, shoulder up, ribs out, hip under, and ride the hindquarters to each spot. Know where your pivot spots are in each turn. You know, as we've discussed before, um, first barrel is a three-quarter turn. You have an arc that could range from five feet for a little caddy horse to seven to eight feet for the average horse to 10 to 12 feet for the big bubba. And again, if it's a short score and you have no choice, you may end up with a wider arc than that. Um, you can also think about, uh, you know, the second barrel, how you have to move over and change leads. And it's a full turn and you don't have a pivot spot with that until spot three, where first and third, your pivot spot is between spot two and three. Um, and then, of course, third barrel, everybody loves that barrel. It's a straight line and only a half a turn and you get to run home. So uh, most horses love that barrel. Most young horses struggle with second barrel. Um, most nervous riders or nervous horses struggle with first barrel. So, it, you know, each one has their challenges. Even third can be challenging if you slice it by raiding and turning too soon or overdrive and go past it or, you know, get so excited that you start kicking really and sitting up on the backside and you don't finish your turn. So each one has a challenge of being correct and getting to your spots and using your cues correctly. Now, I will say this. There are lots of ways to train a horse, okay? For instance, um, Amber Lee, the paralyzed barrel racer that runs pro rodeos, she can't use her seat or her legs. And so you'll often hear me say, Use your seat or your legs. I've also known barrel racers who are one-armed. They only have one arm, so they can't use both hands. They have to neck rein through the pattern. Um, so I'm not saying that there's not all different ways to train a horse. There are. But imagine in her case, Amberlynn, she needs to get a horse that knows its job, doesn't need a rider to kick it. Um, she can whip it if she needs it to go faster, maybe. Um, use an over and under or a cork or a bat in stride with the horse, not necessarily hitting the horse, but, but, um, but that's the kind of thing she can maybe ride it with her voice and her eyes and her hands, but not her seat and her legs. So this horse, you know, has to be a pretty special horse to be able to do that at run at that level. So I don't know anything about her or her horse. I don't know if they bought her a high dollar WPRA horse that is, you know, that type of horse or if they train the horse themselves or anything like that but it's still very inspiring that someone who is paralyzed and comes back like that so that's a neat 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 story and then um there are other things like the one-handed riders um they've had to learn to you know do one hand through the pattern so obviously you know we talk about hands being low and forward or bumping or this or that or direct rein, not neck rein, and that's not going to be the same for that rider. So uh, I'm going to tell you how I train a horse. And um, and again, my idea is 80% for my body, um, my eyes, my shoulders, my hips, my seat, and then 18% with my feet and 2% with my hands. I want to mostly do everything from my body, a little bit of voice to back that up. So so with that said, um, number two is building to a post trot to the barrel and sit jog around it. 
I believe in transitions. I don't necessarily stop before the barrel unless I have a horse that has no rate a horse that's chargy, a horse that's not collecting, then I will do loose rein woe and back up two steps if they don't. Um, but generally I like to, if my horse has a solid foundation before they ever get to the barrel pattern, which they should, they should just post trot up and then two strides out, I sit and they shorten their stride to a jog. They wait till my legs at the barrel and then I can shape them and go to the horn. From spot one to two, we're kind of round, and then they pivot out from spot two to three at their pivot spot and come out nice and straight. And again, I can use my outside hip, inside leg going in, inside hip, outside leg coming out. So that's how I do my 80% body and, um, you know, less with my hands and legs. But again, it's all about give and take as well. Harmony, a horse is a fluid motion. So you need to be fluid. Your hips need to be fluid. Your hand and leg need to give and take. I hate when I hear someone yell, pull. You know, I think of shooting skeet, you know. <laughs> you don't pull on a horse because they just pull back and they'll win because they're a thousand pounds to your a hundred pounds. So um, you'll never win when you pull on a horse. Um, bending and flexing a horse is the only way to get a horse to pay attention to you that way. So the third thing I would do is once I was super solid at a walk and a trot, my horse was perfect, working, almost doing everything on their own. You know, in the beginning, it's 80-20. I'm doing most of the work. They're just kind of following along. And then it gets to 60-40 where I feel them doing more. When I ask, they do. And I don't have to do it so much and help them so much. So I ask them to go, they go. I ask them to rate, they rate. I ask them to turn, they turn. I don't have to do the, do it for them. And I ask them to drive out, they drive out. So then I know, okay, if I can lope the D pattern, let's say they can lope the D pattern perfect, one-handed, or single barrel, something like that, then I know they're ready to try to lope the barrels. Of course, I want to make sure I can pick up my leads, all of that first too. And I do spend a lot of time on the pattern when I'm first teaching my horses, because a lot of people are like, you know, anti-drills, other people love drills, but I'll tell you, here's where drills come in handy. For young horses, drills are important to get them a solid foundation before you teach them the pattern. For open horses who start to get anticipating or hot, and you don't want to spend a lot of time on the pattern because they're already patterned, then you would go ahead and spend time on drills to get them paying attention to you, not the barrel. But when I'm on a young horse that I've already got a solid foundation and I'm ready to teach them a pattern, I mostly do pattern work. The only time I'll switch it up is if, let's say, I'm going to the barrel and I feel them start to want to turn at their shoulder because young horses will try to do that or try to stiffen up on me or something, then I might do a circle and a true turn and say, hey, ride your hip around this barrel, pick up that shoulder, soften that rib, give me five foot circles around this barrel until I say leave with three feet, you know, and, um, and I want them to wait on me. We don't want our horses to just go, hey, there's a barrel turn. They need to go, hey, there's a barrel. This is when my mom wants me to pick up my shoulder soften my rib and ride my hip around this thing. So, you know, they've got to be doing it correctly. And that's something that I think is really important to stress. Um, so again, I, I want all three of the things above um, being done correctly. Okay, so I'll lope to the barrel. I'll, um, I'll break into a trot two strides out and I'll sit jog around the barrel and then I'll lope out on the correct lead. And that's how I teach leads. So I always want to... Um, lope to the barrel on the correct lead 
and then I want to break to a trot around it and then lope out on the correct lead. And that's how you teach horses to give you the lead as soon as they leave the barrel. You know, a lot of people are like, my horse doesn't change their lead. Well, did you teach it to them? Did you lope trot transitions and ask for the correct lead as soon as you took off from the alleyway, either from a straight line or a circle? Did you ask for it as soon as you left first barrel, as soon as you left second barrel, um, as soon as you left third barrel? A horse needs to know how to pick up their lead in straight lines and circles. And then once you do get it where they can lope to the barrel, trot around it, then I'm going to try to high lope to the barrel and slow lope around it. I will ask for my lead change leaving first barrel so I may break to a trot and ask for it or I may just cue them for it and hope they take it most of them will if they're kind of quick and catty some of the lazier ones won't but you can ask for it again as you get two strides from second and they'll usually swap it there most geldings a swap before the barrel and most mares a swap as soon as they leave first it's just a boy girl thing some are slow bloomers some are quicker to get that but i definitely would not let them go around the barrel on the wrong lead if they're not picking up the lead break back down to a trot and only lope between the barrels and trot around so um, again, if you have a hot horse, you're going to do more walking and more trotting, less sloping. But you do need to emotionally teach these horses education with speed that they can come up and come back down. I had a client come here the other day and the horse was super calm at a walk trot. And then as soon as we did one little thing of loping, it got really crazy, didn't want to go in the alleyway. So I had her work figure eights in and out of the alleyway and circles outside the alleyway and only rest inside the arena. And pretty soon the horse was fine. So, you know, um, that was one of the other questions. I don't know how I missed it, but it was alleyway issues. And that's so important, you guys. Um, you can band-aid it all day long, but unless you get to the root cause, and like I said before on alleyway issues, it can be five, six things. It can be their diet. Maybe you're feeding too much grain and hay and they're just wackadoodles. You need to back down on the grain and the hay and go with more of a grass hay and less feed or something. Um, you, you, you'd be surprised what diet can do, you know, for horses. Um, you, you can also look at nerves, rider nerves, horses nerves, respect, um, pressure. Maybe they're, you know, going too fast, too soon. They're not prepared. Their elementary school education going to college and they're not ready. Maybe you run them too much, too often. Um, maybe they have pain, maybe ulcers, bleeding lungs, maybe um, pain in the back or joints or, you know, something, you know, you need to really weigh it all out. What's causing this? And then you have to take the time that it takes. And nobody wants to hear that. Everybody wants to go compete. Nobody wants to take the time to fix it. Sometimes it takes, I got paid by many clients, you know, 900 bucks a month just to go haul their horses plus, you know, hauling fees to go haul their horses just to gate and do slow exhibitions and go home and not run because the horse is what that's what the horse needed and then I had to have the riders do it once they got them back and then the horse got over their alley issues but you also have to look at the rider are you riding relaxed are you calm do you go in relaxed like you're going on a trail ride one hand on the reins you know um all of that are you gating them you know do they need to gate you have to figure out what's best for your horse do you just come up and make your run when it's time and keep forward motion walk trot lope go um, if they act out, do a circle, disengage their hindquarters, circle three or four times, and then go forward again. 
But I will tell you this, backing a horse in, having a person lead you in on foot or with another horse, those are all pretty much band-aids and the horse is not respecting you, they're not trusting you, and they're not listening to your cues. So I would try to get it where me and my horse are a team and that my horse comes in for me. The only exception to that rule would be the little kids. But teenagers and adults, you should be able to get your horse in the arena on your own, and you need to take the time it takes, in my opinion. Okay, so um, the next thing I would do is number five, um, do all of the above in sets of three maximum. Slow down if it's not going well and do it at a speed that they can do it well and quit on a try. So let's say I go through on the second trot through and it's awesome. Then I might go ahead and move to a lope trot. And then maybe I do one lope through and it's kind of iffy, but the second lope through is awesome. So then I finish on a walkthrough and be done for the day. You got to know when to quit because you want to quit on a positive and you don't want to, um, if a horse is trying, you don't want to keep going because they could start getting tired or make mistakes. And then you end up finishing on a negative. There's always tomorrow to train again. Rome's not built in a day. It's brick by brick. So always finish on a good note. Um, number seven, hauling for exposure to ride around or practice. So the cheapest thing is to go to a practice night, right? It's five bucks for two hours of practice. Exhibitioning is more like three to five dollars um, or more for one exhibition or one trainer, depending on what state you're in. And you don't necessarily get a time, but you can go in there and do a slow exhibition at a walk or a trot and you get the gate work, um, and they get just get used to going places, the sights and the sounds. And that's really important. I did that with Rocky. I hauled him to four different arenas just to ride him around and trot barrels. So that way he knows it's the same thing that happens at home. I did that with all my mares before they ever competed. My mares all came out in the 1D and the 2D right their first year out because I spent two years getting them ready. One year on foundation, one year on base, I mean on pattern and hauling for exhibition exposure. So when they came out, they were confident and ready. Uh, I didn't like to start in the 40 and work my way up, but that's me as a trainer. They were my business card and I wanted to prove that I had a good program that my horses would come out, um, sound and solid mentally physically all of that and love their jobs so that's another thing to keep your horse loving their job you've got to make sure they feel good or you're not abusing um taking advantage of them by running them so much you know um if you look at race horses they don't run every week you know they give them downtime in between and things like that and those are poor you know very very young horses that are being put through a lot so um, the seventh thing I mentioned was the hauling for exposure. The eighth thing is entering for your first time. The goal is to be smooth and to build their confidence. That is really important. The ninth thing is uh, futurity and their novice year. All you want their futurity and novice year is to be consistent and know that speed comes with confidence. So if you train your horses, like I just said, and you spend several months uh, pattern them, you know, spend 60 to 90 days putting the pattern on your horse, spend another 90 days hauling them for exposure and exhibitions, and then slowly adding speed when they're as they're ready, then you will have a horse that comes out pretty confident. And then the speed will come when they feel more confident in different arenas and different conditions. So that's your main goal, their futurity year. Watch out for hot spots. If you ever see any hot spots, 
take a time off, slow things down, haul just to do slow work. And um, number 10 is tune-ups during the week for the open or the novice horse on the barrels. So some of my favorite tune-ups on the barrels are in and outs and straighter longer and rate work. So depend on the horse. If I've got a free runner, they're going to get more rate work, more loose rein woe, backing, always slowing down before the barrel, if not stopping before the barrel. Um, and keeping it slow, walk, trot, maybe lope to the barrel, stop, walk around it. Um, my push horses, I might do in and outs with them, go to the three foot pocket, sit down two strides out, move them out to five or six feet going in and on the backside and then finish three feet. The reason I'll do in and outs is because I want them to think there's a barrel, slow down, pick up my shoulder, move away from the barrel, ride my hind in around the barrel. Not, hey, there's a barrel, let's just drop in on our shoulder and turn when my shoulder gets there. So, but in competition, I'll work straighter longer. But I also tune up for straighter longer. If I have a horse that feels like they're anticipating, I wanna ride past that barrel. So I might walk, trot, or even lope until their hip is at the barrel and then stop and pet them and make sure that they didn't get scotchy or try to turn out from under me and be honest. And then once I pet them and relax there, I'll walk them around the barrel and repeat it at the next barrel. So those would be my favorite tune-ups to do on the barrel pattern. Um, in and out, straighter, longer, and rate work, again, depending on free runner, or push horse, hot horse, or laid back horse, open, or novice horse. And then... Um, number 11 is keeping a journal of every run for your personal best and also notes of what's working or what needs work and what you did good and what you need to work on. Number 12, education with speed. I like to add it backwards, meaning that the first place I'm going to send them is running from third barrel home. And then I'll start going faster from second to third. And then I'll ask for a little more speed out of first to second. But usually the last place I ask for a total speed is to first. And that's because that's my money barrel. I want them relaxed and focused. And as they get more confident, they're going to start wanting to take off it in the alleyway with me because they're going to start figuring it out that it's a timed event. So I'm kind of waiting for them to start figuring things out, but I want them calm and confident. I don't want them losing it and I don't want them going to the fence or up the fence or anything ugly. So um, the final thing, number 13, is I like jackpots before super show. I like open rodeo before pro rodeo and I like slack before performance. But again, this all depends on the individual horse and um, what they like and dislike and and their temperaments and what they can handle and watch out for those hot spots if you ever notice something not going well definitely slow things back down so i'm going to go ahead and close now and i hope you guys enjoyed that um, don't forget you have my training notebook to refer to there's a lot of good information in that as well um, don't forget about all the members only page where there's a whole bunch of videos, 150 videos broke down by categories or topics. So it's real easy to find what you're looking for. And you can always ask me too. So I just want to close with um, these last four things that I read recently. And I thought they were really cool. Um, four things to help you rethink your life. And I thought this was good. Number one, happiness is not having a life with no problems. Happiness comes from having the ability to still know how to be happy while dealing with your issues. Number two, it's okay to be sad after you make a decision. It doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. 
Number three, stress, um, stressing too much uh, and not, not doing enough of what you love. So that's really important, right? We, we, what's the point of stressing out about things we have no control of and not living a life that we're enjoying? So keep that in mind. And then finally, number four, uh, less on struggle. Uh, we'll repeat. Let me see what I wrote here. We'll repeat until, oh, okay. That's a good one. Okay. I <laughs> can't read my own chicken scratch sometimes. Um, you will, the lesson, the lesson, you will struggle, you will keep having this lesson over and over and struggling and repeating this lesson over until you learn from it. So that's important too. So if you find yourself constantly dealing with something, you just have to try to learn from it so that that lesson can be in the past and you can move on. So thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, ride with heart and God bless. Thank you.